0: Morning, so good to see you, sad to be doing the last sermon on money, sorry everyone, I mean I'm sure we'll be touching on it in different ways at different points, but this is the last of the four series, next week as you'll have seen from that trailer, uh, we'll be looking at all in for the sake of the world, Um, today we're talking about money, all in with each other is uh, is what this particular series is, so why don't you turn to the person next to you and go, I'm all in with you. <clears throat> and now why don't you take your wallet out and give them a fiver. <laughs> we are looking at putting our money where our mouth is and the, 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 the title given me today is Living Simply. Who's excited about simple living? Yes. Come on, Living Simply. Who's aware that the Living Simply that happens in a, in a crowd as large as ours will look very different? Okay. Living simply will look very different for different people who are in different vocations called to different kingdom ministries in different ways. It's all going to look different. Uh, so let's not be looking across the aisle at who's living simply, who's in sackcloth and ashes, or any of that stuff, who's, who drove to church in what car, who's wearing what shirt, all of that kind of stuff. Let's, living simply is about a heart thing with, with God, and we're going to look at that. We're gonna look at that in a moment. Uh, So first, Hill spoke uh, three weeks ago about money being a a force to be reckoned with and asked us whether we trust God and whether he can trust us with money, reminding us that everything is God's first. It was his first, Uh, it's his money. Andrew spoke about generosity and the place of tithing, the place of the the role of the church, of giving to the church, tithing not being an end goal. Uh, but just being something really healthy. Last week Tim was unpacking how we can invest our money in kingdom ways, navigating the striding edge that he showed us, balance between legalism and license, and uh, I'll cover a little bit of that uh, as well. This week we're exploring living simply, cultivating a dependency on God. We're some of the fewest Christians on the face of the planet who have the luxury of cushioning ourselves from a lot of different things because we have access to a whole load uh, that some other Christians don't. So there's a responsibility with that and a challenge. Uh, So we're gonna find out about that. What I wanna talk to you about this morning, um, Richard's pretty much covered it in, in the all age slot this morning, is about appetite and availability. That's what living simply looks like. It looks like us being available to God our things being available to him, and us having an appetite after God. Because God wants to bless us, but he doesn't want the blessing to be the focus. So we're looking at availability and appetite, as, as Richard showed. We don't, he, doesn't, he wants to give us stuff, and if our hands are full, it makes it harder for us to maneuver, harder for us to be available. If we're holding tight to stuff, that can be complicated. Who's ready for that? Happy? Great. Great, because I don't find this an easy preach. Living Simply, most of us will be mindful of people uh, around us whose houses are bigger, cars are nicer, whose kids have access to a better education or better staff or better opportunities. And companies will be spending roughly 22 billion this year in the UK alone, convincing you that you need something more. 22 billion pounds. Who's excited about the Christmas John Lewis ad? Two weeks to go, I hope you're counting down at home, they're spending $10 million on that this year. $10 million to make sure you've got John Lewis on the agenda and to make sure people who are preaching mention it. Got caught in that trap, didn't I? $10 million well spent, apparently, promoting messages about the life you could have if you subscribe or buy or take out a personal loan for their services or products, $22 billion. A Londoner will see an average of 3,500 messages per day, most of which will have apparently little or no impact. Actually, it's about 99% of the things that they see will have an impact, but that still leaves 35 messages each day that impact them in some way. 35 products considered, ideas sparked per day. Why am I saying all this? Uh, Well, because as Tim mentioned last week, the United Kingdom is not the same as God's Kingdom. So we have to recognize God loves us. He wants us to have a healthy relationship with good stuff. But the world around us and the world that we live in has a different agenda. Turn to the person next to you and go, the world has a different agenda. We're getting a little bit Pentecostal here. It's crazy, isn't it? It's crazy. It's So, if we're going to live simply, we will need to develop some level of resistance or critique of the messages we are bombarded with so that we can shape the culture rather than be shaped by it. We want to be culture shapers. These studies, by the way, these stats, don't include uh, stats on the options presented to us through our friends on social media or the people that we're interacting, the lives they're living and the ones we're not. The comparisons are endless, aren't they? I'm sure there's not one person in here who hasn't been aware of something that someone else has that they don't. So our desire is for more, and it's well-matched in the culture around us by endless options. What's the aim then? What does heaven's culture look like? And how do we become Christ's ambassadors in a consumer society? Uh, in case I lose you um, early on in this message, I'm going to hit the, the Bible verse straight, straight up. Uh, we're going to turn to... Well, you can see it on the screen, actually. It's a short one. In fact, it's only half a Bible verse. That's all you're getting this morning. It's the economy of scripture right here. Uh, Half a Bible verse and it's, it's there right there. This has been my money manifesto for life and I hope it will bless you this morning. You can read it with me if you want. Though your riches increase, do not set your heart on them. How good is that? Though your riches increase, do not set your heart on them. Another translation says, if your wealth increases, do not make it the center of your life. There you go, that's the key. We could finish there. Some of you want me to, I'm not gonna. (laughs) I saw this. Um, That's the key to living simply. It's okay to have riches, to have wealth, but don't like the rich young ruler in in the passage that that Jesus speaks to Don't set your heart on them because you're gonna end up walking away sad. Uh, I practiced this as a young person early on. This has been something, as I said, a money ma- manifesto. So I think it was probably the age of 14. I had a little job at a grocer's. If you're young and you don't know what a grocer's is, you know, some, there was a, a fruit and veg specific shop back in the day. It wasn't all piled into one big megastore. You could just go to one place. So I was lugging about um, groceries for an hour and 15 minutes every morning uh, to get two pound an hour. Come on. Come on, it was glorious. Except it didn't end up being £2 an hour because I'd always buy a fudge from the grocers. <laughs> Stupid. Um, <clears throat> but I had, So I had some cash. I can't remember whether there was something going on at our church at the time, uh, but there was something that impressed upon my heart about my money and, 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 and my heart growing excited about accumulating wealth. Uh, and, and so just on the way to church one, one morning, I felt, I felt like I needed to just clear my bank account. I felt like I just... Not, I don't know if it was a good thing. It just felt like a healthy thing for me to go. Good, I, I want to give you this this stuff. So, I just asked Mum to stop stop off on the way. Went to a bank machine, got eighty pounds out, and just gave it at church that morning. And as a fourteen-year-old, you know, eighty pounds was a big deal. That, that kind of money was a big deal. But it was a re- looking back, it was a really healthy start to say. Though your riches increase, do not set your heart on them. I could recognize that there was something exciting about this money and the opportunities it could open to me. Though your riches increase, do not set your heart on them. For Karis and I, in our first year of marriage, we had an income of £15,000 between the two of us uh, living in Hertfordshire, which is on commuter belt kind of area, so it wasn't, it wasn't cheap. Uh, and it was a, it was a stretch. Uh, it was a stretch for us. Karis was a student at the time, uh, so didn't have an income. Um, and we just had to be really careful about things. Uh, we also had to borrow, uh, I was working as a children's pastor, so I would borrow the church's hoover to tidy our home. <coughs> so helpful. It's Acts 2 stuff, isn't it? It was so good. Um, uh, eventually, it, we did have one secretly gifted to us. It was left in my office at work, and I'm still suspicious that it might have been the church cleaner who <coughs> got fed up of trying to find something they needed and not being able to. Most of us started out with strict budgets and limited spending. You might remember those times of fondness. You might still be in them. I'm not suggesting that always God's plan is that our riches increase. That's not what this, this verse is, is saying. But there's a simplicity about having very little, if not no, disposable income. It's simple. You don't spend a lot of time trying to decide or agree on what to spend. There's a simplicity about it. The idea of this can be an attractive distraction, though can be an attractive distraction living simply uh, this is going to be on the on the screen living simply isn't about avoiding the challenge of wealth it's about avoiding the pursuit of wealth living simply isn't about avoiding the challenge of wealth it's about avoiding the pursuit of wealth so i'm not suggesting you all go sell your homes living a tent and and i don't know become a hermit somewhere this is that's not the, that's not the aim but having a healthy relationship with the stuff God gives us. God is looking for his church. Hill's made this really clear. His church to resist belongings, but not to, sorry, not to resist belongings, but to be generous with them and mindful of the impact we have in our financial decision making. The Bible challenges us this morning not to fix our hearts on the subsequent increase that we have. Tim mentioned last week about John Wesley who managed to live off 28 pounds in his first year when he earned 33 and by the time he was earning 100, he was still living off 28 and giving whatever else left. Along with this Bible verse, Wesley's story has shaped my attitude about money for the whole of my adult life, living simply. I'm going to look at a quote from John Wesley uh, on the screen in a moment. Interestingly, Wesley struggled to convince people from Psalm 62. He used to preach, this is, this is his uh, commentary on Psalm 62. Oh, who can convince a rich man that he sets his heart upon riches? For considerably above half a century I have spoken on this head. That's old language, by the way. With all the plainness that was in my power, but with how little effect, I doubt whether I have in all that time convinced 50 misers of covetousness. I'm hoping to convince 400 misers this morning. It was <laughs> when the lover of money was described ever so clearly and painted in the strongest colors, who applied it to himself. We all like to think that, that It's the person next to us that needs to hear this message or that is rich. John Wesley found it hard to communicate to people that they had wealth or rich, their heart might be connected to riches. And here's why it's important. Because when we live in light of God's blessing and his kindness and his generosity, but within our, when we don't aspire to living the way that the world lives, we end up being available to God. This is about being available to God. We don't acquire a debt that is beyond our current resources. We're available to the things that he wants us to be about and to do. Karis and I have left our jobs on numerous occasions, and we've been able to do that because as our riches increased, we didn't set our heart on them. We didn't start to build a lavish lifestyle. We would be, we would be earning pretty, pretty basic salaries, and yet the Christians that were around us who, who were on much bigger salaries than us, were, were so stressed about finances, st- so stressed about money. And I'm not saying it's easy or we've, we've had it right all the time and I'm, I'll share about times when we haven't got that right. But when we pursue money, it gets, it gets messy. When we pursue God, there's blessing in the way that we interact with the stuff that he gives us. Great. So, I'm just gonna, just gonna show you a quick um, Bill Hybels quote because the culture around us says, actually, why don't you access stuff now and pay later? Why don't you get involved, have a contract? Whatever it is, we're surrounded by contracts and all that kind of stuff. And there's a, um, actually, Bill Hybels has some strong language around debt and how much we get into debt, how much we uh, acquire stuff through money that, is, that, that God hasn't provided. If we have got that quote? Thanks. When you overspend to maintain an inflated artificial lifestyle, it's like telling God, hey, you blew it. You messed up my provision level. You got it wrong. I need more money. So I'm going to use debt to arrange a level of provision beyond what you were providing through my income. And the more we're in debt, the more we have credit cards and stuff to pay off, the less available we are to the stuff that God might be wanting to do because we've, we've aspired to a certain level of living, either because of the people around us or because our heart finds significance in that stuff. So we need to not set our hearts on them. We need to not set our hearts on them. So what does it look like to be available? Well, I I wanna suggest that I I would love for us to be a Teflon people. I would love for us to be non-stick around the stuff that God gives us. It's, It's not that difficult. Scrambled egg is a nightmare. Scrambled eggs is an absolute nightmare. We did we did a, a full English for our whole staff team um, a couple of weeks ago, and I had the non-stick pan that's about this big that we I think had been made to use. I don't know. I think there's probably sixty odd eggs that we'd made scrambled egg in. It took me ages. It took me scrubbing. It took me fingernails. It took all sorts of stuff because this scrambled egg was so hardened on there. I'm not going to say who was stirring at the time, but it was Gareth. <laughs> <coughs> Did I say that out loud? I think I just said it out loud. I think God wants you to be Teflon about the stuff He gives you. That's what it looks like to not set your hearts on stuff. That it's like, okay, I've got access to wealth, and I've got access, and I've got options, and all that kind of stuff. He's given me something. It's Teflon. If He wants it, He can have it. It's not stuck. My heart is not stuck with this stuff. The things I own don't, don't define me. They don't define me. If I don't have them, I'm okay. He loves me. If I do have them, I'm okay. He loves them. He loves me. We need to be Teflon uh, in our in our relationship so that we're available to God. Great. Is anyone too offended yet? Yeah. Did you say yes, Karis? <laughs> I know you said yes. <sighs> you heard this last night. You can't be offended. Great. So here's the richness of a heart that doesn't attach itself to money or wealth. We remain available to God. We can leave our homes. We can leave the stuff if God calls us in particular ways. So I want to, I've talked about availability. I want to talk to us about appetite. I want to sum it up. We've, we've mentioned this over the, over the course of this series, but it's about appetite. The word used for heart in Psalm 62 could mean the seat of our appetite, the place where our desires are determined. Do not, though your riches increase, do not set your heart on them. Do not set your appetite on riches. Do not desire that you would have huge amounts of wealth. And desire is an interesting thing. Desire is a, a complicated thing because actually you'll find that desire is something that drives you so much. And there's a, a, a Cambridge theologian called Harry Williams who, uh, who said some really helpful things. We're gonna, I'm just gonna look at this quote. Uh, on the screen. Thank you. Our desire is literally insatiable. This is the appetite, which means that it belongs to the order of infinity. Our always wanting more is the way in which we clumsily express our intuition that we were made for what is endless and without bounds. That is God. So helpful, isn't it? Thank you, Harry Williams. Our desire is literally insatiable. We're longing for something more. We're longing for this... And actually the reality is, it's because we're longing for God. That, 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 that thing that you're trying to find satisfaction in that stuff, if it stopped becoming Teflon, if it's getting a bit sticky, it might be because you're needing to desire and pursue God. He wants our hearts, and our hearts are the healthiest when He has them. I love that, we clumsily express our intuition that we were made for what is endless and without bounds. But that's dangerous when we apply it in a consumer society, in a consumer culture. So there's some great examples of healthy, wealthy people in our family. So I hope most of you have seen living simply uh, around finances in action. It looks like people whose desire is so after God that they are almost unaware of the stuff around them. They are Teflon people. Uh, why don't you chat to the person next to you? You've got a minute to talk to the person next to you about someone that you known, or a situation where someone was healthy and wealthy, someone who was had a, a, a heart that w- was healthy around finances. 60 seconds. All right, 10 seconds. Great. Three, two, one. All right, you can continue those, those conversations. I hope you've had lots of interactions with people around you who, who have had healthy approaches to wealth. Uh, we're going to hit another, um, another verse uh, that will help us in this from Proverbs 4:23. It says this: "Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. We need to guard our hearts around money around the the things that we might desire, around the the messages that we see every day uh, that might attract our attention uh, and consume our affection. We need to guard our hearts. Uh, One of the most unhealthy times of my life around finances was just when we returned back. Karis and I lived in um, Malawi for a year. We were doing some work out uh, there with um, a mission organization who were doing HIV prevention work. Uh, and so we'd left our jobs, and we'd, uh, and we'd God had given us some. Uh, we had some supporters who were finances us for that year, uh, and so we were out there. And then we came back. Um, we came back, and basically we're, we had a bit of a dodgy tenant who was uh, living in our house. She didn't want to pay to live on our house, which was a bit awkward for both of us, because uh, I thought she should be. Um, <laughs> So she stopped paying, we lost thousands of pounds, uh, and we were, so we just got back and we're living with my in-laws. It's not a bad thing, they're lovely people. Karis um, and I are living with in-laws and we're trying to find some money. We're trying to find out finances uh, and figure out what, what's next in terms of income. Uh, but we'd, we'd, we'd left our jobs and we'd come back and all of our friends had either been moving up in, in their careers or they'd been buying bigger houses or having bigger babies or whatever it is. You know what I mean? They're just bigger and bigger babies. It was ridiculous. <clears throat> we were so jealous of those big babies. But they, they had continued. So, so what f- at first felt like an exciting call when God said, I want you to leave your nets and follow me. We were like, great, yeah, we're gonna leave and God's calling us and this is exciting. And, and God did some amazing stuff over that year, uh, or two years actually, by the end of it. But then suddenly we find ourselves looking left and right, looking at the people around us, and my heart wasn't guarded. And I started to really want to prove myself to Karis. I was like, okay, I'm going to get a proper job with a proper salary, uh, and I'm going to prove to you that I, I can provide for this family. And it all started to get about me, and I, it, was, it was not as obvious as it sounds right now. So I started applying for these charity, just really exciting looking charity sector jobs that were kind of meaningful but not church based. So there might be some um, decent salary to it. And it, <laughs> <laughs> I'm blessed. We're blessed here. We're paid well. Um, but but it, it was just, the heart was just not right. Um, and, and we were both of us, um, I'll speak for Karis because she can't, um, <laughs> we both of us were in an he- unhealthy place around money. Uh, and we began to pursue riches. I began to fight for wealth, trying to prove myself to Karas, I provide. And so in the end, we found ourselves back at the, at the church that we'd left before, where I was doing a children's pastor position and I was offered the role of doing youth uh, as a youth pastor. And, and I was offered what I would suggest is not a particularly kingdom salary. It was embarrassing, I think. And it was offensive to me. Um, it was offensive to me, though, because I, would, I had built up this idea that I hadn't guarded my heart and I began to pursue riches or pursue it as part of my identity. It was, it was defining me and it was unhealthy. So I ended up on the floor weeping as, as I felt like God wanted me to accept this salary and accept this position. And I'm not suggesting that means the salary was okay, but my heart wasn't right, and so that salary was a really healthy thing for me at the time. We have to guard our hearts to make sure that we don't start to want roles and have ambition that isn't God's ambition. It isn't, uh, yeah. So, I would not guarded my heart. My aspirations had shrunk to what I could achieve rather than what God could achieve. My pursuit of a salary, that was it was trying to reflect who I was. Your income, your family's finances are not who you are. Guard your heart from shortcuts to significance and satisfaction. Guard your heart by filling it with Him. Uh, Are we ready for some more Bible? Great. Um, We're going to go to Ezekiel 16. Not an easy passage, but the point of it uh, is uh, because I want you to know that God is. Amazing, and he's got some good stuff for us. Um, so Ezekiel at this point is speaking to a whole bunch of people who are in Jerusalem, um, uh, and they've got a bit complacent about all that they have and all that they are, and their hearts are far from God. Um, and so we're going we're to read a little bit about this. Uh, in uh, We're going to go from verse 9. Um, but I'm... Uh, I'm just going to read a little bit before that from verse four. On the day where you were born, your cord your cord was not cut, nor were you washed with water to make you clean, nor were you rubbed with salt. No one looked on you with pity or had compassion on you. Rather, you were thrown out into the open field. So it's this it use this imagery of this of this baby that wasn't wasn't cut properly, wasn't handled properly, wasn't cut off. This, it's speaking about uh, Jerusalem. And their detestable practices. Then from verse 9, I bathed you with water. This is God coming and rescuing his people. I bathed you with water and washed the blood from you and put ointments on you. I clothed you with an embroidered dress and put sandals of fine leather on you. I dressed you in fine linen and covered you with costly garments. Costly garments. This is what God's doing. I adorned you with jewelry. I put bracelets on your arms and a necklace around your neck. I put a ring on your nose. Who's excited about that this morning? (coughs) earrings on your ears and a beautiful crown on your head don't get any ideas Caris so you were adorned with gold and silver your clothes were of fine linen and costly fabric and embroidered cloth your food was honey, olive oil and the finest flour this is Waitrose stuff here people (coughs) obviously other shops are appropriate and available you became very beautiful and rose to be a queen and your fame spread among the nations on account of your beauty because the splendor Who had given? I had given you. Made your beauty perfect, declares the sovereign Lord. Isn't that a lovely picture? Isn't that beautiful? God with us, rescuing us, making us beautiful and giving us. He wants to give us the best, this imagery of of giving the best. Verse 15, but, there's a big but. We don't like this big but. You trusted in your beauty and used your fame to become a prostitute. You lavished your favours on anyone who passed by, and your beauty became his." I'm not going to read on because it gets pretty, It gets pretty. it's not Sunday morning stuff, let's put it that way. I'll leave Laura Mears to read the rest of that tonight. Um, but it is, she's preaching now, just that's the context, she's preaching tonight. It's not that she specifically needs to read that. Um, just wanted to clarify. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get back to the Bible, people. Um, it's such a sad picture. And yet, I, I feel like it's a familiar one for me. Of the God who gives us lavishly. The God who wants us to be dressed finely. And this is imagery, so I'm not suggesting that's all about what we wear and stuff like that. We've got to be careful about how we use the Bible. But he, he, it's the God who created the universe. It's the God who dressed the lilies of the field like, this is a God who is extravagant in, in what he does. It's not, it's not a stingy God that we're talking about, but it's a God who knows what's healthy for our hearts. And healthy isn't pursuing that stuff and making that stuff our idol. And healthy isn't using the stuff that God's given us to actually have fame around the people and to find significance in what he's done. So a strategy would be to be thankful and to have our appetite transformed, to make sure that we're not pursuing money, that our hearts are guarded. We could go into more detail, but Zacchaeus is someone who became Teflon, whose heart was after money. He was a tax collector, he was wealthy, and then Jesus invites himself into the home, and suddenly his heart is transformed. His heart, is from all the stuff he owns becomes Teflon his heart is transformed because Jesus comes into the middle and this morning living simply looks like saying Jesus you are the only one that is important to me you're the one that matters you're my sole goal it's you God if I have wealth great if I don't have wealth fine I'm pursuing you if my wealth is getting in the way of pursuing you God I don't want it gonna ask that question it feels like one I'd rather avoid but is your wealth getting in the way of your pursuit of God this morning Is the stuff you own or the stuff you hope to own the stuff you have in mind to, to gather is it getting in the way of what you would otherwise be up to in God and his kingdom stuff because if it is throw it off Hebrews 12 after this amazing Hebrews 11 of all these people of faith and the ventures that they got up to, he says, because you're surrounded by such a great crowd of witnesses, throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. It's not just about the sin. There's stuff that hinders us in our walk. And for some of us, that might be the stuff that we anticipate and hope to own. Tim Keller talks about this God that's described in Ezekiel, his kindness to us. And he says this, when you see Jesus Christ dying to make you his treasure, that will make him yours, your treasure. Money will cease to be the currency of your significance or security. And you will want to bless others with what you have to the degree that you grasp the gospel. Money will have no dominion over you. Think on his costly grace until it changes you into a generous people so good just because we have access to stuff doesn't make it right uh, this morning uh, as i was just typing up some final bits uh, amy my youngest who's about 16 months old she came into into me looking really pleased with herself and she had a little gooey blob of green and she was really pleased and i'm like what is that and then i realized it's part of the toilet duck from the toilet You know, those little things that you stick. I haven't told Karis this yet. You might want to wash your hands, Karis. Um, I'm joking. I have done that. Um, She (laughs) she just came to me with this. Just because you have access to it doesn't mean it's healthy for you, okay? (laughs) Thank you, Amy. Yes! So I took it off her, went and washed her hands, and then forgot to close the toilet lid, and she just went straight back and did it again. She did it three times because I didn't know she can open the toilet lid. So I closed the (laughs) toilet door. We're going we're gonna to close in a minute because it would be great to pray. But I just, I do want to hit entitlement. I do want to hit entitlement and just say that sometimes, because we've got access to it, we think that we're entitled to it. And I'm going to make some... Um, if, if you have disposable cash, you can, we can make assumptions about what's based on the culture that we live in. Uh, we in, are not entitled to meat with every meal. I find that one hard. We are not entitled to expensive taste. We are not entitled to the nicest home you can stretch to. We're not entitled to driving everywhere we want to. We're not entitled to six shades of the same shoe. (laughs) Oh, apparently that hit a chord. (laughs) Okay, we'll just go straight to ministry time then. There's a lot of nudges going on, I anticipate. And here's a quote from Dietrich Bonhoeffer before I I, I do the final entitled. It's securing things for tomorrow that makes us insecure today. It's in securing things for tomorrow that makes us insecure today. We are not entitled to live with a financial buffer so that our security can be placed in our wealth. You're not entitled to that. You're not. Does God want you to have it? Is there wisdom in it? That's a different question. That's a question you need to bring to God though. Because if you just assume that you're entitled to all these things, Your heart's not healthy. I'm having to come to the conviction that meat every day is not my God-given right. I used to be a vegetarian, but there's just an idea in our culture that that that's what what is right. We have meat with every meal. And there's something around it that actually, that's not healthy for our environment if we're living within within luxury and, and within excess. Our excessive appetite is affecting the world we live in. God knows what you need and he knows what's best and we need to be having conversations with him about what is healthy. Does God want you to have some of those things I said that we're not entitled to? I'm, I'm sure he does. I'm sure there's some of that stuff that's great. It's right for some, right, right for others. The point is, we don't assume. We ask God and we say, God, can I have this? I know I can, I've got access to it and I've got access to the money to buy it, but is that, does that make it right? Or is this just some toilet duck in a toilet that I shouldn't have? So the healthy Teflon vision is people like Lydia in Acts 16 falls in love with God and her home is used by, Jesus, by Paul. In Mark 7, Jesus enters someone's house secretly for some quiet time. Is your home open to God? Is that spare room that you've got available to God? Is it Teflon or are you, are you tight around it? Jesus uses the disciples' boat. He stays with Mary and Martha, people who loved Jesus and made their stuff available to him. That's what the vision is. That's what living simply looks like. In Matthew 21, Jesus sends his disciples ahead to, give, to get him a donkey to ride into Jerusalem. If Jesus sent someone ahead to you saying, I need access to this, is it available? Or are you still paying off the loan on it or something like that? Or have you got... Are we available to God and are our, are our appetites his though our riches increase, do not set your heart on them. Teflon. Are we okay? Should we stand if we're able to? Thank you. to us uh, just uh, again and just extend that welcome given to you already thank you so much for joining us we don't always bang on about money here but we do think it's a healthy thing to do we do think it's important because the world's banging on about it and not always from the healthiest perspective if you are new we we like to end these times just by thinking about God's word and how we might apply it to ourselves and, and in some ways that looks like coming forward and asking people to pray for us yeah, just have some time of ministry. Uh, if you do have kids that need picking up, uh, we could do with that happening by quarter past. But we've got some time now. We've got some time. Jesus. So why don't we just invite God? You might want to hold your hands open, it could be representing your availability to Him. My biggest prayer this morning is that our appetites would be so for God. Would be drawn back to him. Because it's from there that we find the stuff that's in the way of our availability to him. So so God, I ask that you would just begin to woo us. Begin to woo us, God. You love us. You love to give us good gifts. Imagery from Ezekiel 16, would you impress that on our hearts? Fine linen, the best of foods. Psalm 63 talks about our soul being satisfied as with the richest of foods. It's in Him that we find our satisfaction. It's in Him. So Lord, woo us again to yourself. Remind us of what it is to live simply, available to you, God. Come, Jesus, come. Shall God. Speak to us, God. Jesus, bring your freedom in this place, God. Just just feel burdened to, to say again, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. There is no condemnation. Don't get heavy about the stuff that you've got. That's not the point. It's about the person you're pursuing. Jesus. God I pray that you administer to every heart here that is struggling around the area of finances where this this message would have been one that would have been welcomed 10 years ago or 15 years ago or, or helped them to avoid some stressful situation now would you bring hope would you just speak your hope and your life God you are a redeemer Where well, we've got into situations where we're stuck or our hearts are poorly thank you that you can redeem thank you that you can rescue the reminder that we do have a thing called money matters in our church that Duncan can helps people who are struggling in finances do you talk to someone at the welcome point if that's a, if that's your pr- practical response this morning to say okay God I need to get some things right but it's so that I can be available to you might just want to ask in these moments just have a moment with God and just say God am I available to you in all the ways that you want is there something of my appetite that you want to change is there an area of entitlement that I've got caught up in assuming because I've got access to something that it's right to have and not having conversations with you about it. God, I ask that this morning that you would show us what we could be available to. Give us a vision, Lord. Give us a vision for for what it is that you want us to be available to. Lord, whether there are dreams and visions in this room that you've given before that have been compromised because of the pursuit of wealth or that have been compromised because of a, a lack of faith and a lack of money. There can be entitlement but there can be excuses. We can make the excuses that we can't do this or we can't do that or we can't because we don't have the money to do it. Well, that might be the case but only if you've had a conversation with God and that's what He thinks. It might be that God's saying, you haven't got the finances for it right now but I want you to believe for it. I want you to pray for it. We had a testimony recently in this church of a a girl who was praying over the space of a year for the funding for the course pursuing God believing for the best and God provided it took a long time and it wasn't straightforward but God provided let's not miss out on the life that God wants for us because we don't have faith and because we're looking at what's currently in our hand I'm gonna ask the, uh, the band to lead us in, in a song of worship in just a moment, but you might wanna come forward. I, I do sense that this, this applies for all, all of us in so many ways, uh, but it might be that you wanna come forward for specific prayer that, that could be about what I've been speaking on this morning. It might be that you're just facing a challenge this week that you want, to, that you want someone to stand with you and, and pray for. We love praying for people. We, we believe in the power of the Holy Spirit in this church and we'd love to pray for people. So if you wanna make your way down, it might be because you wanna have faith for something. That you feel like there's something that you don't have yet that God might be stirring you about or it might be because you want to say, I think I've got too much stuff or I think I've got caught up in entitlement. Why don't you just begin to come forward? We'd love to start to pray for people. If you don't have to pick up kids, it might be really healthy for you just to, just to again, just bring your adoration to God. Remind Him of where your appetite is. Great. Why don't you just begin to come forward and if, if we could have some people from our family to come and pray, that would be really helpful.